I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of GreenRope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Festock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Theater. It's that time of year again. You need to file your taxes. For many people, the word taxes brings on an instant headache. What's deductible? What's not? What's changed for the current year? The tax code is thousands of pages long. Who has time to figure it all out? Thankfully, Get Help Tax and Bookkeeping has a solution for you. Simply complete a brief questionnaire online, and one of our IRS-authorized tax professionals will prepare and file your return. It's fast and easy. Call 914-467-9271 to get started. If you need help, get help. Hey, are you having trouble getting a merchant account? Do you need an international payment gateway because your business is now stretching across the pond? Have you been rejected by other merchant account providers? No problem. iPayTotal wants your business. Our high-risk merchant accounts allow you to accept all major credit and debit cards. iPayTotal delivers payment solutions and products to help you grow your business. Contact us now for your payment processing at info at ipaytotal.com or visit www.ipaytotal.com. That is the letter I, paytotal.com. Your online payments partner. We make payments processing easier for high-risk merchants. When is the last time you've actually watched a movie and went and read a book that was written about the lessons in a movie? Well, I want to introduce you to a book that is written by Jack Cogra. This book is called 26 Life and Business Lessons from the Black Panther Movie. Yes, as a reader, here's what you're going to learn. Maintaining focus, time management, loyalty, impact of our actions, importance of embracing diversity, and the effect of oppressive forces. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take a moment, go to Amazon and look up 26 Life and Business Lessons from the Black Panther movie by author Jack Conger. What is your goal for 2018? Earn more money? More time for your family or yourself? We offer you a solution. Be your own boss. To learn more, please go to our website, www.runerinder.com. We look forward to having you as an Erinder. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. All right, welcome to the fall. Welcome to another great day. We appreciate you guys listening. Hey, if this is your first time checking out our show, let me first say thank you. However you found us, however you may be listening, however, whoever shared with you an interesting piece that we may have done, Thank you for joining our show. My name is Chris Williams. As you know, this is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. And here in the fall, we have some very, very interesting interviews. And today's interview is no exception to the rule. You guys know how I like to do things. I like to find people who are interesting, who have different stories, who have different careers. And today I was able to talk with someone who I promise you, you will love this interview. Um, because typically when I look for CEOs, I'm looking for CEOs for a myriad of different reasons. But this lady that I found 
not only as a CEO of a company, but she's a CEO of a company that is responsible for ensuring over the last 15 years, they have been focused on all staffing and recruiting. That's right. She has a staffing and recruiting firm. Her name is Kathleen Quinn Votau. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this company really quickly. Now, she started it 15 years ago. Uh, she's very passionate. She's had awards all over the place. Her firm experienced over 300 percent revenue growth and was listed on the Inc. 5000 in 2015 and 2016. Yes, she's been recognized as a top woman uh, on a company by CoBiz magazine for the past six years years now here's the coolest part also like a lot of times when i look at these companies some things attract me differently i love their tagline they're solving the people puzzle they have a really cool gap analysis that they do to help not just match talent but match talent to your culture and so i think at this point i just need to shut up and so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to let you listen to my interview this is kathleen quinn votal the ceo of talent trust take a listen to this fascinating interview and get your pen out because you're going to need it all right good day ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening and tuning in to our show now today uh, i'm really excited because typically when i get a chance to talk to ceos Throughout our journey on this show and those who I get to meet, uh, whether they be at conferences or whether they reach out to us directly, which we're getting a lot of those now. Um, a lot of times when I'm kind of looking at their background and what they've done, um, I'm always looking kind of for the unique thing that uh, would, would make them interesting to be on our show and for you, the listener, to listen to. And today's conversation and today's guest is no exception. And I want to kind of give you guys an opportunity to not only hear from her, but I think the more important thing is, is the space that she sits when you start talking about your personal career. Now, whether you're a baby boomer or whether you're an Xer or whether you're a millennial, I think the key here in today's conversation is listening to somebody who does this for a living and who has built a company, not only understanding talent, but how to also, and I love this tagline, solve the people puzzle. It's, it's a wonderful tagline. But the other key piece is, is to not only be able to do that, but then to be able to turn around and also ensure that you are able as a leader and as a CEO to take what you know, take the trends, take the data and put people where they actually belong. Now, today I want to introduce to some, present to others, my guest, the CEO of Talent Trust, Kathleen Quinn Vota. Kathleen, how are you today? I am wonderful, Chris. Thanks for having me this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining because I think one of the cool parts of all of this conversation today is really going to uh, help our audience, help me, um, even just as a host, to really understand the mindset of what you do. And so just to give people an opportunity to understand your world uh, and where you come from, if you don't mind for just a few moments, share with our audience a little bit about the company, um, you know, how you got started and, and, and even let's go even back further before the days of Talent Trust. Where were you? What were you doing in your career? What, what was your career path like? And then when did you turn around one day and say, you know what, I think I want to be a CEO. <laughs> Just kind of give our audience a little bit of that understanding. You bet. Thank you for asking. So 
I um, started in the um, recruitment staffing industry in 1985. I was a sophomore in college, Chris. Wow. And um, the reason I started in the staffing recruiting industry is because I didn't want to work in the cafeteria of Travelers Insurance Company and wear a hairnet and an ugly orange uniform. So that was my motivation. <laughs> That's good motivation. And my mother, <laughs> my mother drove me around and I interviewed with Kelly Services at the time and uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, and they hired me on the spot. And my love affair with uh, helping people connect to the right position began. So it began back in 1985 with Kelly Services in Hartford, Connecticut, and then Farmington, Connecticut. And then I finished my college degree and got out and got into the recruitment industry with a small boutique firm. That firm was acquired by Olston Corporation. And then my career really started to flourish. I grew a lot at Olston Corporation under a very uh, cool mentor, not easy mentor, but cool mentor. And, um, and then once I left there, I went to another firm uh, out on the West Coast, well, Colorado, and I managed the West Coast. Um, and then in, uh, when I was 32 years old, I decided, I think I need to be an entrepreneur. Um, I was always a little bit of a maverick, Chris. I would never really follow the rules. They don't necessarily apply. For me, they're just a suggestion. So um, you you can imagine how that worked in corporate America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what I did was 15 years ago, started a company. Um, it was called Denver Executive Search Out of the Gate. Um, and then we rebranded and became Talent Trust, what our customers and employees and people all around the country know. Um, and Talent Trust has really grown pretty tremendously over the last 15 years. The first, the first six years was really more of a lifestyle company. Um, my son was young, and I, um, I took advantage of being able to be home when I could. Um, but then in 2009, 2010, we started right when we were kind of opening our eyes after the awful recession. Mm -hmm. um, I really put the gas pedal down. And in 2010, our, comp our company, between 2010 and 2015, our company grew uh, tenfold. It was a pretty wild ride. And I have many people to thank for that. Our clients, our, my mentors, my employees, many different business organizations. And it has been really wonderful to... Um, just to experience that. And I think the key takeaway, Chris, for your listeners, regardless of where they are in their journey, that is this wonderful life we have and what generation they represent is each opportunity is a chapter of your life and you have to embrace it and go for it and follow it where, where it will take you. Absolutely. And, and I like the way you said that. So, you know, when you talk about the transition there, you you were in corporate America, you're you were you were doing your job, but you you I like the way you put that. Uh rules were a suggestion. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um I know, it's awful, but it's true. Anybody who knows me listening to this podcast will say, Yep, you're right. <laughs> and and so when was the idea of starting your own company scary at that time? Like what, you know, help, help our listeners understand because, because starting a business at that time, 
you did not have nearly as many uh, tools at your disposal as somebody today would have from a technology no. standpoint, and those different things. What was it like? And then and then also, I would imagine um, that and I've talked to many uh, dynamic women CEOs. There's also the layer of some bias as well when you start talking about starting your own company more, even more importantly, talking about an executive search firm. What what was that kind of journey like in the beginning? And and did you did you have any down moments? Did you feel kind of like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing or, you know, nobody's listening. Like, what was that like? It was absolutely terrifying, but I had so many people who believed in me, especially my husband and my father and so many mentors that helped me and encouraged me along the way. Um, I remember the day I decided to start the company. It was August 27, 2003. And, um, and one of my former clients called me and said, um, we've just all been waiting for you to do something. Don't you know that? Wow. And I said, wow, okay. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so um, if you listen to people, they'll help guide you. So there was, you know, uh, signs and there was motivation from other people. And so, um, and other people believing in me. So that was the first step. Um, and through the years, there's been terrifying moments being an entrepreneur and a business owner and a CEO and a mom and a wife and a daughter and a, I mean all those things they're scary they're mm-hmm. really and and there's so many different roles we play as women to your point um, and certainly you know 15 years ago it was a little less um, uh, it was a little less accepted mm-hmm. and there were fewer women leading um, there's an organization I'm very much in support of called the Association for Corporate Growth. And uh, I remember walking into my first meeting, and I think I was the only woman in the room. Mm. There was all a sea of blue, navy blue blazers before me and khaki pants. Wow. I'm so glad fashion for men <laughs> has really, has, I'm very, side note, I'm glad fashion for men has moved forward from that decade. Yes, absolutely. Um, but some people are still stuck there. Um, note to self, <laughs> there's better clothes out there. And um, it was hard to integrate. And the Association for Corporate Growth, which is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with for the 15 years I've had my business, um, has really helped me learn about business. So it's a great resource for your listeners to look into in their local markets. And there's a- almost 15,000 members in, in this organization. And for me, it was integrating with investment bankers, private equity, uh, attorneys, other other emerging leaders, other business owners, and getting real curious about what they do, how they do it, why they do it, and asking a lot of questions. I find that many times people are scared. Fear is the enemy. Mm-hmm. They're scared to ask the question if they don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. But in my humble opinion, if you don't ask the question, you're never going to get informed. So I, there's so many people who've helped me understand the business of business through joining an organization like the Association for Corporate Growth. 
and learning and and just not paying attention to those people who might think you can't do it because you're a girl. Um, and the statistics are against us. You know, less than 2% of all women-owned companies, according to Catalyst, achieve a million dollars in revenue or more in a mm. single year. Mm-hmm. So, so the statistics are against us, too. So, And there's just a more inventory of men leading companies than there are of women leading companies. Now, there's a lot of people trying to change that. But it's going to take some time. We just got the vote in 1924. Mm, that's right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. So I'm curious to your um, your understanding around um, the pressure. You, you talked a little bit about, you know, being a wife, being a mom, being a CEO, you know, uh, being a leader, which also means I hire and I fire. Right. And have mm-hmm. to manage those relationships and uh, vendors and, and 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 sourcing and all these different things. And I would even say sometimes the male ego that you have to deal with probably on a consistent basis. Um, what you know, if you if you were to talk to a, a young uh, lady who's out there, who's probably just starting her company, what's a I guess give some insight to 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 her for a second around you know things that she should be mindful of because because I, I could would only imagine that some nights when you go to bed you're like scared out of your mind and other nights you're like I killed it and then other nights you're like you know what I don't care what happened I had to do what was best for me right give some insight to the young lady who is starting her company now and and wanting to do her best, but realizes there are some, some biases and there's some challenges out there that are, are real. And she will have to face those because to your point, it, it, it's a long tail game. It doesn't change overnight. So, so what advice would you give no. to her? I would, the first piece of advice I would give to her is know thyself. Mm. Really get very clear on who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, what kind of culture you want to create, whether it be you and yourself and your company or multiple people in the organization. Um, And also uh, be strong, be very strong and be very brave. Um, There are many people I've met who will try to put you in a certain box mm-hmm. because you are who you are mm-hmm. uh, in the package on the outside. And it's okay to be a woman. It's okay to be a woman. Don't try to be a man, be a woman, mm-hmm. but um, use your words, uh, use your words. Don't be manipulated by people. And for God's sake, if somebody invites you to their hotel room, don't go mm-hmm. um, in this whole me too movement. What, what's been most alarming to me, and I wrote an article about this, Chris, <clears throat> is the responsibility the women don't take for what has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's going to invite you to their, to their hotel room, think of the largest piece of furniture in a hotel room, just for a moment. And then think of the intention. Mm-hmm. And why would you do that? Mm-hmm. There's so many options. You, in, in hotels now, you can meet in a lobby, you can meet in a coffee shop. You can, you know, take a walk. You don't have to put yourself in compromising situations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and really be true to your values. That's really important and, and understand them. And they are ever evolving in the workplace. They're ever evolving. You know, myself at 32, 34, I was a different person. I was a new mother at 34. You mm-hmm. know, there was so many, and we, you know, we change over time. But my values, my core values haven't changed. Yeah, sorry. And those have been great. Uh, it's been great to come back to those core values in times of stress. Or even, Chris, in times of excitement, mm. you know, growth can be also a scary thing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you're not focused on what you're trying to achieve and disciplined in where you want to go, you can get off course even in times of growth or even in times of, um, you know, uh, of non-growth. So, so be very careful about your own internal compass I talk about culture and values, attitudes, and beliefs Mm -hmm. in companies. Everybody has their own, you know, values, attitudes, traditions, and beliefs that they bring to an organization. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur and if you want to go on this journey, make sure you're crystal clear about how you want to show up and make sure that's your compass throughout your career. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's well said. So 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 let's talk about uh, the multi-generational aspect of what you do, because I would imagine that you you have gotten really good <laughs> and your team has gotten really good about understanding uh, not only just generations, but leveraging data to make sure that you're helping your your clients find those right fits. So, so I want to kind of start in a couple different areas here. I guess the first thing I would ask you is, um, what's it like, you know, having a company and, and having, you know, teammates, having people that work for you. And, and then one day I'm, I'm sure there was, you know, as the company has been going the last 15 years, you know, you kind of got into a rhythm. And then one day, this really young kid walked into the company and you noticed a difference. There was something that you noticed. Oops, we might have to pay attention to that. Or ah, I didn't know that might re- really be a thing. What was it like when you started having the millennial come work for you or was coming in the door looking for opportunities? What did you notice about the millennial the first time you kind of had an aha moment about this generation? Mm-hmm. Well, I am pretty blessed because my son is 17 and he was born in 2000. So he's at the tail end of the millennials and mm-hmm. the beginning of the Gen Zs. Um, so I've had one living with me too. So that's been really wonderful. Uh, but the first time in business that I had someone uh, of an emerging generation join me and I'm 52 and I have, um, many people who are millennials working with me and I think they are absolutely wonderful and they are my colleagues. Um, I didn't notice anything different necessarily. I noticed an ambition that I recognized. Mm. I recognized the ambition that I had when I came out um, of college. I had the same kind of ambition Mm. and I was really intrigued by that ambition to have really to have it all. I think there's not a lot of differences 
but I think we sometimes companies and people can't see themselves. They refer to uh, younger colleagues as kids, mm-hmm. and they're not kids, they're colleagues. Mm-hmm. I'm quite intentional about the language that I use with my team. Mm-hmm. I have a woman working with me who's a business development director, and I never introduce her as my anything other than my colleague. Mm-hmm. She's my colleague. She's helping me grow my company, and I am grateful that she chose me. So what what we've adapted to is a very open culture, very transparent culture, but those were my core values anyhow. We've just gotten more transparent. We have in at the Talent Trust office offices, we don't have offices. We're a virtual remote community. Mm. Um, we supply people with office locations through um, a remote office company that has 80 locations throughout the United States. So if they need a professional environment, they can access it. But a lot of their work is consulting. They need the computer. They need a phone. They need you know technolo- video technology to conduct in-person meetings if need be. They need their car and a plane <laughs> to go to meetings <laughs> and a plane and uh, and and I I really think many um, I really hire the whole person so when when somebody comes into my organization I realize that I'm not just hiring a person but that person has a family mm-hmm. and what do they need to do to serve their family so they feel whole coming to talent trust to do their work. Mm-hmm. So those are some key things that, you know, people are just people. And I, I really impress upon people to not treat them differently and don't call them names. Don't call them millennials. Don't call them kids. Don't call them Gen Zers. I mean, do you ever refer to more mature colleagues as, Oh, you're a boomer. Right. We don't hear that. <laughs> you don't, we you don't know, hear that. one of the interesting uh, dynamics that I've actually seen, um, from 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 those who are are my senior is I grew up in an in a in a household, and in an environment and a culture when I was a young kid, that I grew up with yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am, and so sometimes even even now I mean I will get in a meeting or I will uh, be on stage and talking to someone and I say yes sir or no ma'am, and people are like oh don't do that. I'm not that I'm not old. Don't 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 treat me like that. And I'm like, well, for me, my culture, it was a matter of respect. It was something that I learned. I was groomed that way. And so sometimes it just comes out <laughs> um, sure, where, sure. Where, where I've learned those things. And so I've I've, I've even noticed that, that the reverse. Right. So. So for me, uh, being at, at, at the at the edge of, of a millennial, I, you know, one of the older millennials, I've I've always had that in me. And I've noticed where uh, boomers will say, don't don't call me, sir. Just call me by my first mm-hmm. name. And I'm going, man, if my mother would hear me call him Scott, oh, my God, she would <laughs> she'd have a fit. Um, so I've, I've noticed I've just kind of noticed this embracing. Right. Of, of just what you just said. Right. Like it's not. And, and I don't think it's a disrespect thing. I think it's just more of recognizing we're equal. Right. That if we're in the same yeah, workplace and we're in the same environment then we're all in this together. So I love that perspective that you give um, and that type of respect that you do give to millennials. Because, I mean, as you know, you could type millennial in the 
Google and all of a sudden all this kind of negativity, all these crazy ideas and crazy stats that come out and anybody can make a stat to fit their narrative. But I, I, well, think about Chris, the silent generation, mm-hmm. you know, the silent generation. And then we had the boomers. Yep. The silent generation thought the boomers were cray cray. <laughs> That's me. right. But they were smoking weed and having, right. making love. And, Woodstock. You know, and <laughs> Woodstock. I mean, it was, they thought the world was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. And the boomer generation has been one of the most um, affluential. Uh, they have changed our world. That's right. And I believe that the next two generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs, will also leave their mark somehow. Wow. Kathleen's an interesting woman, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited for you to hear this first half. And listen, if this is your first time, thank you. No, you're wondering, well, wait a minute. That was a fascinating interview. I want to hear the rest. Don't you worry. In just two days, as we typically do on this show, you will get a chance to hear part two of my interview. Now, however you found us, I appreciate it. And here's what I would like for you to do, whether it was through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn, make sure that you share this episode and also share with me your thoughts. Like I really like engaging with you. So tell us what you think. Tell us what you learned. Tell us some nuggets that you got out of this first half of the interview and make sure that you share that. Now, I will tell you right up front, it is really, really important to me that you also provide us a review that helps us get the rankings. I understand what you like as a listener so that we can continue to provide you valuable content. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a great day and whatever you choose to do. I hope you do it at a high level. I'll catch you in the next episode.